Somebody give God a praise in the house. Oh, come on, somebody give God a praise in the house. We love you, Jesus. We worship you, oh God. We magnify your holy name. Praise God. Praise God. Anybody glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. The psalmist said it like this. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You ought to be thankful for another chance and opportunity to give praise and worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I wonder right now, can we praise him? Can we magnify him right now? Can we lift up a shout of praise in the house? We worship you, Jesus. We praise you, mighty God. You're worthy to be praised, oh God. Praise God, praise God. I'm glad to be in church today. Amen. It really doesn't matter what church or where I am at. I'm just glad God will show up to meet with his people. And no doubt the presence of the Lord is in this house. And I just come to tell somebody, if you come looking for something today in the house of God, you've come to the right place. If you need deliverance right now, deliverance is in the house. If you need victory right now, victory is in this house. Deliverance is in the house. Healing is in this house. Whatever you come for today, you can find it in the house of God. Oh, do I got a witness in the house that God will meet you right here. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. If you're turning your Bibles, book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 6. While you're turning there, let me say what an honor it is to be here. We don't take it for granted. We are grateful, and I say we because my wife's not with me, but She's praying for me, so I believe she's as much a part of this revival as I am. My babies are praying, so just thank God to have a praying family. They'll pray for me even when we're not together. But I don't take it for granted or take it lightly to be invited to preach anywhere. But I believe that there is something special that's going to take place in these services that we're going to have. If you can just believe it. If the people I found, I preached long enough to realize that where there is expectation, it really doesn't matter who's preaching, but as long as we're preaching out of this book and there is a spirit of expectation that lives can be changed, that people can be set free, that people can be delivered. And so where there is expectation, there can be an explosion in the house of God. And I just wonder on a Sunday afternoon if there are people in Carson City that's got a little bit of expectation and faith that God is going to speak to this house. Praise God, praise God. I believe God's going to do something big. Nehemiah chapter 6, I give honor to your great pastor, his family. What wonderful people. Amen. You guys are blessed people. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Great friends of ours. And uh, just glad that we're finally able to connect. Just glad to be here. Honored to be here. Honored to be here. Thank you for the basket, all the accommodations. I thank God for Brother sister Diaz who spent and labored with me last night as I was locked out of the house I just thank God for good people he hung out with me for a while and we got it figured out but I'm thankful for them I give honor to all of the ministry every saint of God in the house we're gonna have a good time in the Holy Ghost today I believe I've got a word for this body today and I believe God's gonna speak to somebody in this house Nehemiah chapter 6 
Begin reading at verse 1. The Bible says, Now it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah, Geshem the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates that Sanballat and Gershom sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down. Why should the, the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. He said, I answered them after the same manner. And for just a couple minutes, I want to preach to you on this title, Defying Gravity. Defying Gravity gravity. If you'll put your Bibles down, I wonder, can we lift up our voice and pray right now? Come on, somebody. I wonder, can you touch God right now? Mighty God, we love you. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your, for your tender mercy, oh God. I ask that you would continue to move in this house. Anoint my lips of clay, oh God. I pray, oh God, that you would hide me behind the cross, oh God. Let the people see you, oh God. I pray, oh God, that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, let them be acceptable in thy sight. Jesus, you're my strength and my redeemer. Let everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands one more time as you're seated. Amen. Defying gravity. As Nehemiah asked about the Jews that had escaped Babylonian captivity, and about Jerusalem, they begin to tell him of the remnant. They begin to tell them of the people that were left of the captivity and how they were in great affliction and reproach. And they begin to tell Nehemiah how the wall of Jerusalem is broken down and how the gates of the city are burned with fire. And as Nehemiah heard the report of the devastation of Jerusalem, the Bible says that he sat down. The Bible says that he wept that he mourned, that he fasted, and Nehemiah, he began to pray. I want to tell somebody that before you do anything, before you make a move for God, before you make a move in a direction, we need to get back to a place of prayer. We need to figure out what God wants to do. We need to talk to God and say, God, I know what I want to do, but God, not my will, but thy will be done. God, I got to know which way you want me to go. I got to know which way you want me to move and for an apostolic believer we've got to get to a place of prayer and say God which way do you want us to turn the ship which way do you want us to go Nehemiah learned that you've got to pray Bible says he began to pray. He said, God, we are your people and we have messed up. He said, we remember what you told Moses. You told Moses that if you would turn away from God, that he would put you in captivity. And so we find ourselves, have found ourselves in a place of captivity. But remember, God, that you told Moses that if your people would turn back to you, 
He said, then you'll hear our cry. And Nehemiah began to pray, God, we made some mistakes. God, we've messed up. God, we've taken the wrong turn time and time again. But Nehemiah said, God, but you said in your word that if I would turn back to you, if your people would turn back to you, that you'll hear our cry. I just come to preach to somebody and let you know that you may have made a mistake. You may have messed up. You may have fallen off of your course. But I come to tell somebody that if you just turn back again to your God and you begin to pray that God would hear your cry. I wonder if I got somebody that's not all perfect, that's made some mistakes, that's messed up one too many times. That I come to tell somebody that it's not too late for you. It's not too late for your backslidden cousin. It's not too late for your a family member that's been on drugs but if they turn back to him then God would hear their cry I wonder if I got a witness that's made a mistake or two that you come back to the house of God and you started to turn back to God that he begin to hear your cry somebody praise him right now Nehemiah he understood man we're in a bad situation. We've turned away from our God. But he says, just remember God. Sometimes you got to hold God to his word. Sometimes you got to go back to the book and say, God, I remember your word said this. He said, God, you said if we turn around again. Nehemiah said, I'm not coming to tell you that your people have been perfect. But I just come to tell you that you put in the word of God that if we would turn again. I come to preach to somebody in the house and tell you that you're not too far gone for God to reach you again your family members not too far gone for God to reach them again this city is not too far gone for God to reach them again but all we've got to do is turn back to God then God will hear our cry somebody clap your hands if you believe it and Nehemiah begins to consider he begins to ponder he begins to think about Jerusalem, a place of his family, a place that it was the only thing that they had known. It was the place of his father's sepulchers. And Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king. And Nehemiah's job in the kingdom was to be the cupbearer for the king. And what this meant is that Nehemiah worked closely with the king. And the cupbearer's job was to bring the cup of the king. But also he had to make sure that there was no poison in the cup. And so Nehemiah had the job where he had to take a sip of the drink to make sure the kingdom wouldn't be at stake and so Nehemiah had a mind for the kingdom. Nehemiah did his job well and Nehemiah as he tried to do the job that he was called to the thoughts of the broken down gates and fire pushed through the top of his mind and four months after the devastation the king would notice his demeanor on oh, his cupbearer Nehemiah that he had never witnessed before and you've got to understand he said Nehemiah why are you sad 
And you've got to understand that in those times, it was very dangerous for somebody that worked for the king to come into the king's presence with a down countenance or with a sad countenance. You could be killed for this. You could be in trouble for this. But Nehemiah, he couldn't shake what he felt in his spirit. He couldn't shake the thoughts that he had in his mind of the land of his father's sepulchers that were broken down. And so the king asked Nehemiah, he said, what's wrong? Why are you sad? And Nehemiah was afraid. But a boldness came over Nehemiah. He understood, I just can't sit back and be quiet any longer. I can't just sit back and make sure that my life is preserved. But I've got to take a risk for the kingdom of God. I've got to get an attitude today like Nehemiah that says, I can't sit back and be quiet anymore. The kingdom of God is at stake. There are... Whoa. The kingdom of God is at stake. The walls of the city are broken down. The gates are burned with fire. The kingdom is in ruin. This thing is not right. And it's something that gets in the mind and in the heart of the people of God. When you come into the house of God and the church is all in disarray, it makes you want to try to straighten things up because this is the house of God. This is where people are going to come and be saved. This is where people are going to come and be changed. This is where your family family is going to come and get their head screwed on straight and so the kingdom of God has got to stand and so Nehemiah would ask the king why should I not be sad when the city the place of my father's sepulchers lieth in waste and the gates are consumed with fire and the king asked Nehemiah, he says, what is your request? What do you want, Nehemiah? And the Bible says, again, this is why I love Nehemiah. The Bible says that before he answered the king, Nehemiah again began to pray. I just come to tell somebody that we just, we just bumping up against the wall when we try to do things on our own and we try to make it our way and we try to put a hole in the wall where God's already enforced it but what we've got to do is take our efforts and what we want to see and connect them with the kingdom of God and we we start to pull down heaven my God we start to pull down the plan of heaven and we put it in earth as it is in heaven we want to make it here down in earth and Nehemiah said God what do you want to do God I know what I got in my heart to do but God what is your wishes he started to pray, and Nehemiah said, God, not my will, but thy will be done. And God gave him a charge and says to the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant has found favor in thy sight, that thou would sendeth me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, that I may build it. And the king sends him to rebuild the wall. He sends him with letters of peace. He sends him with captains of the army and horsemen. And the king gives charge to the keeper of his forest to give timber for the rebuilding of the walls and of the gates. And Nehemiah goes by night to inspect the gates and the walls. First, he had heard about 
about the devastation of his father's sepulchers. But now he's sneaking off in the night by himself and he starts to look at the city of his father's sepulchers and he looked at the place that they were in and he looked at the devastation of what was happening and he looked at all of the gates that were burned with fire and the walls that were broken down and something started to rise up in the man Nehemiah that said that's not right it's not supposed to be like that the kingdom is not supposed to be in disarray how did it get this bad how did it get in this state there is something that's got to be done for the kingdom of God he began to look at the devastation walls that were broken down the gates that were burned with fire and he started to think God what do we need to do and the Bible says that he tells the people I've got something for us to do we've got to build the wall and the Bible says that God strengthened their hands and that they had a mind to work. I just want to preach to somebody that you may feel like you're not qualified to do the work of God. You may feel like nobody in my family has ever done the work of God. But I read in the word of God that God will strengthen your hands. Whatever the work of God that he has for you, God will give you the strength in your hands. It's not in your ability. It's not in your talent. It's not in everything everything that's in you but we serve a God that will strengthen our hands so that we can do the work that God has called us to don't you worry about how it's going to happen you just stand with God and say God take my hands take my feet and God will take it and he'll make something of you that you never thought was possible does anybody believe what I'm preaching today God strengthened their hands for the work that was set before them. And the Bible says that the people had a mind to work. And God wants to give you the power to do the work that was set before you. Every man on one accord as they begin to build the wall. And as chronicled in Nehemiah chapter 3, men stood side by side and they were rebuilding the wall. Some men would stand on this portion of the wall and other men would stand down the road at another section of the wall. And the people as chronicled in chapter 3, they begin to build the wall. But one of the things that I see in this text that when the people of God get together and the people of God begin to unify, there's no devil in hell that's going to be able to stop the church of the living God, but we've got to come together on one accord, in one place, touching and agreeing on one thing. The Bible says that two are better than one. And a threefold cord is not easily broken when the people of God begin to get together. I said when the people of God begin to get together because the enemy wants us to be separated. The enemy wants us to be apart from each other. But if we can get together and we can unify, touching and agreeing, then we can have revival in this city. Then we can have the victory. Then God, every promise that God has promised us, we can have it today. So they begin to build a wall. 
and united they stood. I'm telling somebody in the Holy Ghost. I don't even know why I'm hung up right here. But there comes a point in time when a church that's trying to move forward has to begin to unify with your brother. And you've got to begin to unify with your sister. The enemy wants nothing more than the people of God to be distracted by strife in the church. But you got to take your brother and you got to take your sister and you got to take them by the hand. And you got to say, we're going to have the victory. We're going to have revival. And they started to build a wall. Every man got in his place. And they started to work on rebuilding the wall. There were people that began to mock the work. Bible says that Sanballat and Tobiah, they were upset about the rebuilding of the wall. They began to mock the work. And Tobiah said, a fox can break this wall down They wanted to fight against them and hinder the work of building the wall. But Nehemiah, again, he prayed that God would protect them. And Nehemiah tells the people, he says, don't be afraid, but remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren. He said, fight for your sons. He said, fight for your daughters and your wives. He said, fight for your houses. They continued to build wall every man the bible says had a weapon in one hand and in the other hand he wrought the work and so you can see the picture in our day of a man that has a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other hand because there was an adversary that was trying to push up against the people of god but the people had a mind to work and the people said the work can't stop the work can't cease Praise God. Back at our text, the Bible says that Sanballat, Tobiah, and Gershom, the rest of the enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no breach left therein. Although at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates that Sanballat and Gershom sent unto me saying, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief and I sent messages unto them. And this is the attitude and the determination that Nehemiah had. He says, I can't come down. He said, because I'm doing a great work and time and time again Sanballat and Tobiah they tried to get Nehemiah to stop his work but his response is what I want to preach to you today he says I can't come down I am doing a great work I come to tell somebody that you just gotta have a determination like Nehemiah that when your adversary comes up against you you have a response that understands that I'm doing a great work for God and I can't come down but brother Irvin what does that have to do with your title glad you asked gravity is a force that is working in the earth it is an ever present force gravity is always at play it's what makes the ball that we throw up come back down 
Brother Diaz, this is what makes Dior slide down the slide. It what makes the car that you put on the top of the hill, if you just set it there and put it in neutral, that car wouldn't stay in its place, but that car would begin to go down. It's what makes uh, the saying goes like this, and everybody can finish the saying, what goes up? And this, my friend, is gravity. And gravity is an ever-present force that is always at work. And gravity is not going anywhere. And Sanballat and Tobiah heard of the rebuilding of the wall in chapter 2. And they wanted to stop the work because there will always be an adversary. Like gravity, your adversary is always at work. And he is always at play. And the adversary is an ever-present force in your life. Can I tell you today that your enemy is not going away? I know we preach and we talk about that God can destroy our enemies. And he can and he will. But I'm telling you that if you defeat the adversary today, there'll be another one there tomorrow. That if you can defeat them this week, then they're coming back next week. And there's always going to be opposition to the things of God. There's going to be opposition to the work of God. The enemy wants you to come down today. There's an adversary. The Bible says this. It says, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so he's constantly working like gravity. He's constantly a force that we have to work with, that we have to uh, fend on, defend. And he's always trying to pull the saint of God down. But I come to preach to somebody that just as well as sure as you got an adversary, that you've got a God that's fighting with you, that you've got a God that's fighting for you, that you've got a God that's working with you today. The Bible says the devil as a roaring lion. Has anybody ever seen him come in the form of a roaring lion? I'll wait. Because the devil is subtle and your enemy is deceiving. And if he showed you who he was, you wouldn't go and do work with him. But if he revealed himself, come on somebody, what type of devil would it be if he revealed himself as a dark monster that walks into your room? And so he's subtle and he's conniving and he's trying to get into the lives of the people of God and he doesn't want you to know about it. I heard one man preach it like this. I'll never forget. I was in uh, youth camp, and he preached a sermon to the young people, and it was titled, The Devil Ain't Ugly. I'll never forget it because it's ripped away all of the preconceived notions that I had about how the devil would come up against me because I'm thinking that I'm going to see the devil standing in my room with a pitchfork, but he doesn't work that way. He's going to come to you subtle because he wants the work to stop. He wants the work to cease. He wants you to come down off the wall. And so we serve an we No, we don't serve an adversary. We serve... We serve a God, but there is an adversary that is going to come subtly in your life. 
and he's going to use different forms to knock you off of the wall. He's going to come in so many different ways. The adversary just wants the work to cease. He doesn't care how he gets you. He's just trying to get you. Can I tell you today that the adversary is so subtle that he'll come in forms that you never think it would come in. The adversary is smart and he's conniving and he's looking for ways to get in. Your adversary, the devil, is seeking whom he may devour. The Bible says hell has enlarged herself and opened her mouth wide. And so he's making preparation for people to descend into hell. But God's making preparation for people to go to heaven. And as long as God's making preparation, then the church is still going to stand. There's always going to be a church that's fighting against the adversary. There's always going to be a church that's fighting against the enemy. There's always going to be a pastor that's preaching that you got to stay in the house of God. And so Sanballat and Tobiah, they kept coming to Nehemiah and they kept tugging on Nehemiah saying, come down, meet with us in the plain of Ono. As Nehemiah tried to ascend, there was always something trying to pull him down. There was this thing that was working that's like gravity, that every time we try to go up, there's something that pulls us back down. And when we get on the wall to do the work, we feel something pulling at our coattails, telling us you've got to come back down. You can't live on the high ground. You've got to come back down to earth. That adversary doesn't want the work to, to, to continue but he wants the work to stop. And so we serve an adversary that's so subtle because we think because Sanballat and Tobiah were coming from the outside, we think that the biggest threat to the kingdom happens from the outside. But I just come to preach to you today that the biggest threat to the kingdom is not the forces from the outside. And I feel the forces all around us that's pushing up against the church. But can I tell you today that the biggest threat to the church of the living God is never the forces on the outside, but it is the forces that are working within. And so we got forces on the outside like the world and culture that are trying to pull us down off of the wall and they are real. But there is nothing more effective than things that are working on the inside. Can I tell you that if it's your family, the enemy will use your family to pull you down off of the wall. And why is it so important that he gets to that family to try to stop the work? Because we are most comfortable with the people that we're supposed to love and we let our guard down. And when we let our guard down, then the enemy starts working and he starts using that family to tell you why do you keep coming down to that church why do you gotta go to church Wednesday why do you gotta go to church Sunday why do you gotta go to Tuesday night prayer meeting and what the enemy's doing you don't see him with a pitchfork but he's using your family to pull you down off of the wall he'll use your friends he'll use people that are close to you to try to get the work to cease because he's subtle and he all he wants, I'm telling somebody today, all he wants is for us to come down off of the wall so the work can cease. And so there are these forces that are working within. But can I tell you the biggest threat to a called out saint of God on a Sunday afternoon? 
The biggest threat is not the adversary. The biggest threat is not your family. The biggest threat is not your friends. The biggest threat is not the forces that are happening on the outside. But the biggest threat to the work stopping is when you look yourself in the mirror and you understand that the only thing that can stop the work of God is me, me, and did I mention me? And if I can get myself out of the way, then I can do the work that God has called me to. And so the adversary will use you to get in your own way and tell you you got to get off the wall and you'll start reasoning with yourself I'm doing something crazy for God I'm trying doing something that has never been done before I'm living for God all by myself man my family tells me I need to get off of the wall the people tell me I need to get off the wall conformity and culture tells me I need to get off the wall but nothing can stop you until you start speaking that stuff to yourself and saying you know what I believe the family that says that I gotta get down I can't stay up here right now but I've gotta come back down but I've come to preach to somebody in the Holy it goes on a Sunday afternoon and let you know that you gotta defy gravity today that I know that there are things that are pulling you down but you just gotta keep on building the wall Shakespeare said it like this he said to thine own self be true so we lie to ourselves and we start making excuses. Can I preach? I'm preaching to everybody. I'm preaching to myself. We start making excuses about why the work can't, dip, can't be done. And we start getting come at reasoning with ourselves about why we need to just come down off of the wall. Nobody's ever done it before. You know you look crazy doing what you're doing. But I just come to preach against that today and let you know you are doing a great work. Don't you come down today. You are doing and building the kingdom of God and there is nothing greater than building the house of God he threw everything but the kitchen sink at them he started telling them you got to come down they start mocking the work but you read in chapter 5 what the people start had they start having infighting within the camp and Churchill said it like this he said, when there are no enemies within, there can be nobody on the outside that can hurt us. It's when the people get a made up mind and they start to connect together like I talked about before. And we make up in our mind that no matter what comes against us, no matter the opposition, no matter the forces that are coming from without, we will never let anything penetrate us from within. I come to tell somebody today that when the church has a made up mind, there's no devil that can stop what God wants to do in this city. There's no devil that can stop what God wants to do in your family. But you just gotta believe and you got to get a resolution down on the inside of you that says, I can't come down. I'm doing a great work. So it's the forces that hurt the church that come from within. It's self. It's God. Let me get like Paul, where Paul said, I die daily. I have to keep 
keep something in, in check because we have another force that's working against us and it's called this flesh and like gravity it's never going anywhere and like your adversary it's not going anywhere you have to learn how to live with this flesh but the way that you do that is you get down to an apostolic altar and you pin that flesh to the floor and you say we're going to live for God we're going to stand for truth I know there's adversaries coming up against me but if I can just get to the house of God could just get to the house of God then I could defy gravity then what happens with that is you got to start learning how to push back against the forces that are trying to pull you in a different direction and gravity is always working and can I tell you today that your flesh doesn't want to pray your flesh doesn't want to praise God your flesh don't want to get here early your flesh doesn't want to do all the things that God has called us to do but if somebody can hear what I'm preaching to you today that you've got to push back against the forces you've got to push back against the gravity gravitational pull that's trying to keep you on the ground but you gotta say I gotta ascend and I gotta rise and I gotta get above it today so when you defy gravity you start to do what God wants you to do and you start to ascend but it's not just about you because there are people that desperately needs you to defy gravity so that you can be in a place of strength so that you can reach down and pull them to the place that you're at I come to preach to somebody that you gotta fight against being normal you gotta fight against being mediocre you gotta fight against having a ceiling you gotta get like God who tells Abraham you gotta get outside your tent I gotta change your perspective I gotta bring you up just a little bit higher today so we begin to ascend and we're fighting we got the work in one hand and we got a sword in the other hand and we're just fighting off the adversary because we got to continue to ascend so that we can reach down and help somebody else so that we can be in a place of strength but the enemy wants you to stay on the ground he wants you to be in a place of weakness where you can never help anybody else but I just want to know is there anybody in this house on a Sunday afternoon that'll say I'm willing to defy gravity today I'm ready to stand up I'm ready to pay the price I'm ready to get above it I come to preach to somebody that you gotta get above where you've always been you gotta go to the next level today that you gotta ascend that you gotta get above the problems that you you gotta learn how to soar because the enemy wants you to live on the ground and he wants you to be normal and conform to everything that everybody else around us is doing. He wants you to be like everybody else. But God created you to be great. And God created you to fly and soar and be able to look above your problems. And be able to look above your circumstances. And be able to ascend so that you can help somebody else. Consider the man Christ. Christ walked on this earth as a sinless man. And he came for a purpose. He came for a reason. He came so that you and I can be saved. And Christ told him, he said, I'm not going to be able to stay with you long. But he said these words. He said, if I be lifted up, 
He said, then I will draw all men unto me. What is he saying? He's saying, I know you don't want me to die, but I've got to get up and mount up on this cross so that I can be lifted up above the earth. And he's talking about his death, but we understand that Christ had to die in order for me to be saved. I was in desperate need of a savior and I couldn't die for my own sins, but I thank God, I thank God that he said, if I be lifted up, then I will begin to draw all men unto to me you gotta get like Christ today and you gotta ascend you gotta be lifted up so that you can begin to draw you gotta get above your situations today praise God you gotta defy gravity cause everything is trying to pull us down and everything's trying to marginalize the work that you're doing but I come to preach to somebody today that if you can look beyond your adversary, if you can look beyond your flesh, if you can look beyond your family and your friends and everything that wants to hold you back from being whatever God called you to be, I'm telling you that you can start to defy gravity today and you can start getting above it. He said, he said in the Lord's prayer, he said, our father, which is the beginning of the Lord's prayer. And as you begin to break it down, he's showing us something in each section of this prayer. He says, our father, which speaks of all of the fatherless and you may not have a perfect home situation and your father may not be in your life, but he wants you to know that you've got a father. The second thing that he says is he says, which art in heaven. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to get your head off of the mundane day to day life of just. Uh, trekking through life and living with your head down but he wanted to let his people know that you got to remember that I am in heaven I'm bigger than your problem I'm bigger than your circumstance I'm bigger than everything that you can go through I'm bigger he wants to give you a theology of a lifted head and when you begin to lift up your head you begin to look past your adversary you begin to look beyond yourself and you see your God I just come to tell somebody today that it's time for us to defy gravity it's time for us to stop being normal it's time for us to stop staying where we've always been but God's trying to break us out today and God's trying to take us to another level God's trying to show us something greater I believe that Say, why are you screaming on a Sunday afternoon? Because I believe what I'm preaching to you. I'm a living testimony. I come from the uttermost of the guttermost. I come from nowhere. But God took me and grabbed my family. My daddy was an alcoholic. And God said, you know what? I've got something bigger for that family. I've got something greater for that family. And I'm standing here today because somebody said, I got to push back against what's normal. I got to defy gravity today. Praise God. Can I preach to you today that you're doing a great work. Yeah. What we're sitting in today, the people that you see around you, I preached all around the country. I'm telling you, it's not like this everywhere. 
It is not like this everywhere. You don't just snap your fingers and get people to come to the house of God. Can I encourage you today? You're doing a great work. Preacher, keep on preaching the gospel. Sunday school teacher, keep on teaching class. Uh, youth leader, you got to keep on teaching the youth. If you play an instrument, you got to keep on playing the instrument. Refuse to come down today. Get an attitude in your spirit that says, Sam Ballard and Tobiah, I am not coming down. You get to a place in your spirit where you have a resolution. It says, that's for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. But what about when the adversary starts to push up against you and you feel uh, turbulence on every side and everything starts to come against you? You got to say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord in the good times. I'm going to serve the Lord in the bad times. I'm going to serve the Lord because I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. I wonder if I got somebody under the sound of my voice that'll get an attitude in their spirit that says I'm doing a great work. I'm doing the work of God and I can't come down stand with me all over this building I'm almost done preaching the people in Babylonian captivity the book of Psalms the Bible says that they hung their hearts upon the willows they were in a strange land, away from everything that they known, like Nehemiah and Ezra and all of those who were in that type of situation. The Bible says that they hung their hearts on the willows. As they required a song of them, they wanted to sing. And they said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And they hung up their hearts. They said, you know what? This work is not worth fighting. This thing that we're doing is not worth it. Let us come down off of the wall. But I thank God for people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That when they told them that you've got to bow down, they said, no, sir. If I can paraphrase today, they got something in their spirit that says, I can't come down because I'm doing a great work I serve the king of kings and the lord of lords and he's going to help me do the work that he's called me to I just come to preach to somebody on a Sunday afternoon that you are doing a great work don't you stop singing child of God don't you stop preaching preacher don't you stop coming to the house of God don't you stop sitting down across the table with somebody teaching home bible studies you are doing a great work don't you come down today. Clap your hands all over this house. Can I tell somebody today? There's another adversary that's fighting against us from within. And it is the, in, uh, the enemy of comfort. Because the adversary that wants to destroy you, sometimes we look at that and think he just wants to kill me. But oftentimes he's not worrying about killing you. He said, if I could just keep the people comfortable. And you know how he destroys the people of God? By them getting in a place of comfort. And saying, you know what, this is good enough. You know what? We, we're having good church here today. 
But if you think for a minute that this is where God wants us to stay, then you've got another thing coming. I come to preach to somebody that God wants to do greater works right now than he's ever done before. But the enemy wants to keep you in a place where you're comfortable. Where you start letting good be the enemy of great. Keep having good church. But have something to strive for. Understanding that there's another level. That there's another victory. That there's another place that God wants us to go to. But gravity is pulling us back. It's pulling us back. It's taking us back to where we always go. And it's telling somebody in this house that this is good enough. But the Holy Ghost is saying in this house that I got to defy gravity today. That I got to push back being normal. And I got to leave the house of the familiar. And I've got to untether from the shore and push into the deep works of God. I come to tell this church today under the anointing of the Holy Ghost today, I'm telling you, I believe what I'm preaching today, that God's got another level for this church, that God wants to take us to another level, but you gotta make up in your mind that I won't just stop right here. I'm not gonna get comfortable today, but I'm gonna defy gravity, and I'm gonna push to the next level. I wonder, can we lift up our hands all over this house? Oh, Jesus, somebody lift up your voice right now. Come on, somebody, can you defy gravity today? Even now, while I'm preaching to you right now, there's something that's pulling you back. There's something that's trying to hold you back from doing what God has called you to do. But you got to get like Nehemiah today and say, I'm going to keep on building the wall. I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work. These altars are open right now. I wonder, can somebody come and pray? I wonder, can somebody come and press to the next level today? I wonder, can we get to a place that we've never been before? It's not about Brother Irvin being here, but God wants this church to keep on climbing, to keep on going, to keep on building the wall. Come on, somebody press right now. Somebody press on into those prayers right now. Somebody push back against the gravitational pull. Somebody push back against the adversary. Somebody push back against your flesh that wants you to stay in the same place. God's got greater today. Chief cornerstone, no other foundation can we build upon. Not the loss of nor the wisdom of man, but all other ground. Come on, somebody push back right now. Push back right now back against the forces that want to hold you back today.
raised up from the dead. The captivity cast. Come on, the Holy Ghost is moving right now. I wonder, can we press right now? I wonder, can we press away from a normal prayer meeting right now? But push to what God has called us to. Push past what we've always been today. Now we are joined the ground. 
you be